Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Lord, you have been favorable to our land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. These words from Psalm 85 really set the theme for this, this day. The color is a bit lighter today. We're rejoicing, but we're rejoicing in the midst of the cross. Our joy today is a subdued joy. And I love Gaudete Sunday for this, this reason. And it shows, it shows that the Christian life has more nuance than, than merely happy or sad. Sometimes these things can be mixed together like, like a rose or pink candle uh, mixed with the penitential purple and, and the longing of blue. And, and that's what it means to rejoice always. It means to, to have hope, to have a light in the midst of darkness, the darkness of our hearts. And John the Baptist, in our gospel lesson, is the prime example of someone who is struggling with the darkness of his heart. And it's totally unexpected because this is not how we picture John, right? We picture John as this camel's hair wearing, bug eating, do it on his own, doesn't care what other people think of him, wilderness, rough it, tough it, uh, uh, tough guy. But he's in prison. And while outwardly he, he may look tough, inside He's an absolute mess. He's doubting. He's lonely. And most likely, he's depressed. And so from his, his dark prison cell, he sends two of his disciples to go ask Jesus, are you the coming one, or should we wait for someone else? That's quite the statement. That's quite the accusation from, from someone who's supposed to be the messenger of Jesus. But with these words, he's really mirroring Psalm 85. Show me your mercy, Lord, and grant me your salvation. Save me. And his prayer is really a prayer for the incarnation, for God to be with him, for Jesus to come to him, to be where he is in suffering, in trouble, to give him relief from his doubts, to heal his broken heart, to free him from his captivity, to release his sins. And we pray the same things, especially those times in our lives when, when outwardly we, we, we try to hold it together and look tough, but, but inwardly we're, we're a mess. Like John, we pray, Lord, Lord, where are you? And, and what we're really looking for is for Christ to be with us. Jesus' answer to John is, is just beautiful. It's not merely, yes, of course I'm the coming one, you dummy. Jesus shows John how he is the coming one. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Hear what God the Lord speaks. He speaks peace to his people. He is the coming one because John himself has the gospel preached to him. You know, in English, when we read the name coming one, we imagine someone coming in the future, right, who will be coming. 
But the word coming is a, a present ongoing tense, not a future tense. You know, if you say, I'm walking, it's not that you're going to go for a walk tomorrow, but that you're in the middle of a walk right now. So that Jesus is the coming one, as John had asked, it's not that he's going to come sometime in the future to John in prison to help him, maybe, but that he is the coming one right now. He is with John right now. Psalm 85 says this beautifully. Truth shall spring out of the earth. In other words, the word made flesh, truth incarnate, the Logos, Jesus Christ, God in flesh and blood, is located in the most surprising of all places. Not far off in heaven, but truth springs from the earth. Jesus, the source of every comfort, is the coming one who speaks peace to his people through his word. And this makes all the difference. Makes all the difference for you and me. Makes all the difference when you're sitting in the hospital room waiting for that diagnosis or the bad news. Makes all the difference when you're missing a loved one now. Makes all the difference when you feel the guilt and weight of your own sin. The incarnation shows us not merely that Christ is, is going to come again someday, that someday things might get better somehow. So all I have to do in the meantime is to, to be optimistic, to look on the bright side. Rather, the incarnation shows us that Christ is the coming one right now. This is what we call Christ's third advent, his continual advent, his continual coming in his means of grace, through his word and sacraments. This is what the incarnation of Jesus is all about for us today. It's not merely celebrating the birthday of Jesus. That's all well and good. But what that means for us is that he's with us now in flesh and blood, in word, water, bread, and wine. This is where and how God revives us again when we are in distress and burnt out from the trials and crosses of our lives. This is how God's people may rejoice even in the midst of the cross. The incarnation of God being found on earth, this is what's, being, uh, this is what's behind all the words of Psalm 85. They are fulfilled in the incarnation of Jesus. Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin. You have taken away all your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. All of these blessings are located where the realms of heaven and earth combine. What we really need is for God to remove the barriers between us and him and to be where we are. And through this, we get a picture of hope. Not merely that our sufferings and burdens will, will eventually end, but that they actually have purpose right now. I think I've used this illustration before, but, it, but I think it's really good. Uh, there's a naval admiral, James Stockdale, who observed POWs that survived seven years in a Vietnamese prisoner of war camp. 
uh, versus those who didn't survive. Of course, any, any prisoner of war in Vietnam uh, went through the worst torture imaginable. If you would ask those guys um, what the worst torture was, it wasn't anything physical. It wasn't being froze or, or, or burnt or starved uh, because all those they realized would eventually end. The worst torture for them was solitary confinement in a three-foot by nine-foot cell. And, and not just for a couple of weeks or, or a month, but for up to two or three years of not talking to a single person. God did not make us to be alone. Stockdale was, was asked what the difference was between those who, who actually made it out uh, versus those who didn't. About those who didn't, he said, oh, that's easy, the optimists. They were the ones that, that said, we're going to be out by Christmas, and then Christmas would come and Christmas would go. They'd say, we're going to be out by Easter, and then Easter would come and Easter would go, and then Thanksgiving, and then they'd be back at Christmas again. And he died, they died, Stockdale said, of a broken heart. Their optimism caused them to look forward to something that wasn't there. However, those who did survive realized that nothing in the moment was in their control. They had nothing to be optimistic about. But what they did have was hope. That even there, in the most claustrophobic, lonely confinement, they were not alone. And their suffering actually helped with their discipline and endurance. See, the worldly idea of comfort in the midst of hardship and suffering is essentially a coping mechanism uh, of looking on the bright side of being optimistic. But the Christian conception of comfort in the midst of suffering and the cross is that the suffering and the cross actually have purpose. It begins to shape us again into the image of God. As we heard from Malachi, the Messiah is like a refiner's fire, like launderer's bleach, like a refiner and purifier of silver. To be refined and purified is not a pleasant process as you're going through it, but it is good. Something beautiful comes out. And this has happened to John, too. Because while he's in prison, and, and, and inwardly he's a mess, he has the discipline to control what comes out of his mouth. So rather than cursing God, he cries out to God for help. He knows where to go, and he knows what to say. So John's suffering, his trials, which have been laid upon him by the gracious and loving will of God, who is good, actually have purpose. His trials and difficulties are actually the proof that Jesus is with him. He is with him through his word of promise. He is the coming one. So the psalm writer says, Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. The child born to us of the Virgin Mary who locates himself on earth is also at the same time the Lord of heaven. And he bends down to us continually. And this, like John, is the comfort that we really need. We need the incarnation. Righteousness is only from above. Likewise, mercy is only shown from above. 
But as the angels sang to the shepherds at the incarnation of Jesus, peace is on earth, and truth has sprung up from the earth. So in the incarnation of Jesus, truth comes from the earth, and righteousness comes from heaven, and they meet in the person of Jesus. God becomes man. Heaven and earth have met in Jesus. Righteousness and peace have kissed. And so wherever his word and sacraments are, not only is God there with us, but there he is at peace with us. Because there we are declared righteous. God speaks peace to us. Truth has sprung out of the earth. Christ who said, I am the truth, the way, the truth, and the life was born of a virgin. Righteousness looked down from heaven because by believing in this newborn child, we are justified, we are declared righteous, not by ourselves, but by God. Truth has sprung out of the earth because the word was made flesh, was made man. Righteousness looked down from heaven because every good and perfect gift is from above. Truth has sprung up from the earth, flesh from Mary, present now in word water, bread, and wine. Righteousness has looked down from heaven, for we can receive nothing good and nothing unless it has first been given to us from above. Christ continues to come to us, to be with us. Truth has sprung out of the earth in the most unlikely places. He is the coming one, the one who comes to restore us, to revive us, to speak peace to us, that we, his people, may rejoice in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.